We got mixed economic data, which includes record online sales for holidays, lowest job openings in two years, and fear from small business owners across the country is palatable. Vigilance is still the best policy right now. Then we have a study on work-life balance. Apparently, the concept is flawed at its core. We've got some employee and employer information you do not want to miss. And last but not least, the percentage of people who think money can buy happiness is shrinking. Let's find out why. Okay, welcome back to the Hairdresser Strong News and what does it have to do with you? I deliver weekly news that is relevant to you, your business, and your clients from economic to tech and other juicy stories. I will create and editorialize current news that you can better understand your business and customers while also giving you current events to discuss with clients. All right, let's dive right in. I'm going to share my screen. And if you're listening on podcasts, you can just follow along with this links in the description below, or you can just listen up because I'm going to explain it all to you. Okay, my our first piece today is on Statista. It's titled Holiday Season E-Commerce in the U.S. Statistics and Facts. And uh, it says that in 2023, holiday online retail sales in the U.S. accounted to nearly $254 billion with the most money spent on Cyber Monday. And this year, Cyber Monday was the biggest online shopping day in U.S. history and revenue figures hitting approximately $12 billion U.S. dollars. Super positive news, huh? All right, next. The latest, this is uh, Business Insider, and it's by... Phil Rosen titled, There Haven't Been This Few Job Openings in Two Years. It's exactly what the Fed's been hoping for. And the uh, bullet points here is U.S. job openings in October fell to their lowest level in 2021. So that's huge because the Fed's been waiting for that. We've been talking about um, the labor market getting tight. So like it doesn't say that people are losing their jobs. Unemployment isn't going up. But the amount of jobs available is shrinking, meaning that the power dynamic is shifting between employee employer, as well as signs that the economy is getting tight. Um, okay, so let's scroll down here. It says here that the latest job opening figures reinforce the case for a soft landing scenario. Soft landing is meaning no recession. And uh, there's a big fear when the inflation went up so much and the Fed was raising the rates that that would in induce a in a recession, and they're trying to avoid that with this term called a soft landing. Job openings are moving higher, yet the unemployment has remained relatively low. So that means that, and it's even actually gone down. Unemployment has gone, no, sorry, inflation has gone down. Unemployment has stayed low, but job openings have reduced, which is sounds like a soft landing to me. Sounds like things are kind of figuring out without having to crash. It says the decline in opening brings the job number of job openings per unemployed Americans to just 1.3, the lowest since August of 2021, well below its March 2022 peak of 2.0. So earlier, uh, or not earlier, but at one point we had two jobs for every unemployed person, which impacted the power dynamic between employees and employers that's that that actually caused inflation to go up even more because everyone was jumping from job to job and uh and increasing sorry they were jumping from job to job which enabled them to increase their salary because every time they would move they would want more money so wages went up so that has a lot to do with inflation like we had the supply chain issues from covid but then when wages went up and wages don't come down uh so they're considered sticky they stick around for a while 
Okay, next. This is called the Small Business Weekly Forecast by Thomas M. Sullivan, the Vice President of Small Business Policy in the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Um, they say that, according to their numbers, 13% of small business owners say the economy has improved. 13. 40% are neutral, but guess what? 47%, almost half of small business say the economy has gotten worse. However, they do say down here, 57% of small businesses think that next year will be better. So what camp do you sit in? Are you Do you think that the economy is worse than it was a year ago, but it's going to be better next year? or a combination or something different, I'd love to hear from you. Use the link in the description, which will take you to the Instagram version of the story where I would love to hear from you. If you're watching on, on YouTube, you can just leave the comment below. All right, so this also says that 63% of small business owners say interest rates are impacting their business. So interest rates coming down won't happen for a while unless like you see unemployment rock, skyrocket or bankruptcies ensue. So that is the economic updates. Uh, so now let's get into the interesting news. Uh, I would love to hear comments on what you think about the economy. Uh, I think it's really important to listen to you because we're speaking, I'm speaking directly to people in this industry. And these are macro numbers that includes everybody. Okay, so check this out. This is a story you've probably been waiting for. This is from fortune.com uh, on Yahoo Finance by Jan Thier. Is titled, The Push for Work-Life Balance is Fatally Flawed. According to a 100-page report and survey of 5,000 workers, it's about all about the power of choice. Okay, so um, I'm going to read a paragraph to you uh, to kind of give you some understanding of this. Uh, so this is like, well, how do they record, how do they figure this out? I always got to look. Every time you see a survey or report, you got to try to figure out some information on how they collected it because... You know what they say, liars figure and figures lie. You can make the numbers and statistics look like anything you want. So let's check this out. It says that according to a new report from corporate wellness platform, Gym Pass, in conjunction with Northwell Health on the state of work-life wellness, their survey of 5,000 plus full-time workers didn't reveal a clear answer to the question of where today's best place to work actually is. Instead, the spread was fairly even among workers who prefer remote, hybrid, and in-office work. That showed that the key of mental wellness, rather than the location itself, is the ability to choose. If you're thinking right now, why are you telling me this? I don't know. This doesn't have anything to do with salon. There's no hybrid work or work from home. And it's like, this is true. Okay. This is true. But that last sentence, it's all about choice is also true for people, okay? So, so what they're saying is they try to ask this one question, but it turns out they were able to infer this other information. It's all about choice. This makes so much sense to me. Think about it. If you're an employer or a salon owner, both of you know about suites and booth rentals. These are places where stylists have all the freedom to make any type of decision they want. Well, they may have to do, that might have to do with the appeal, like having the ability to choose might have 100% everything to do with the appeal of going into a booth rental or a suite. As a matter of fact, I know it is because we did a poll two years ago. So if you're working at a salon or have a salon that's super restrictive, or if your business practices and policies do not provide room for staff to have the privilege of choice, 
staff will be unhappy. If you are an employee at a salon, tell me I'm wrong. The secret is going to be for communication to ensue to understand what is important to all parties and where some freedom or privilege of choice can be implemented. Then salon owners, you need to broadcast your freedoms that you ensure that anyone who works for you will have so that you can attract the people who that resonates with them because you might not agree with the freedoms that everyone's requesting. But just so you know, when there's a list compiled of what rising stylists want or what employees want or what stylists want, just remember that list is not does not mean if there's 10 things on the list, that doesn't mean everybody wants all 10 things. This, it's like one person might have wanted two of those things. One person might have wanted four. One person might have wanted one. I mean, when you put the whole list together, uh, the list of things that people want, I want them too. I want a bunch of money. I don't want to have to work a lot of hours. I want to pick my own hours. I want to work from the location I want to work at. You know, like I want health insurance. I want, I want everything. Of course I want it. But like the reality is that I don't know anybody who can provide it all. So don't get upset. Just know that it's all about choice. So like, if if you can't afford to provide certain things, but you can give people the ability to pick their schedule, I don't know, or, or, or have some sort of conversation with them where it's a negotiation where they're being part of this conversation uh, and decide, making having choice about their schedule, just an example. And if you're an employee or a stylist, like I want to hear from you. What, what freedoms do you want? Leave a comment below. And if you're listening on podcast, there's a link in the description, which will take you to the Instagram version of this story where you can comment and we can interact. I want to hear from you. Okay. Now that I've, I'm going to digress here. So expecting the majority of people who apply or that you hire to see all the incredible value of your salon is a terrible delusion that will set you up for anxiety, anger, and failure. Just because you built it doesn't mean they'll come. And if you know the movie reference, please hit like right now. I would love to hear your thoughts, especially if you disagree or have a different take. Now, um, okay, so for the work-life balance argument, because we didn't talk about work-life balance, like this whole thing was like, well, work-life balance is flawed. So I'm going to read a couple paragraphs for you to help explain it. Jim Pass's findings indicate that the push for work-life balance is fatally flawed. According to Maxine Car Carrington, chief people officer at Northwell Health in the report says, our professional experiences cannot be tended to separately from our life. The futility is instantly apparent when you apply this line of thinking to any other dimension of wellness. You would not tell somebody who is sick to focus on improving their health life balance or somebody who is lonely to do a better job of community life balance. We all know those experiences are what constitutes well-being itself. Occupation well-being is no different. So some of you might interpret this a little differently uh, than I do. How I interpret what she's saying is that balance is mostly talked about in the amount of time you spend at each place. Well, I only want to work six hours a day. I will sleep eight hours. That's 14 hours. I need an hour to get up in the morning. That's 15 hours. I need an hour to, to like get to bed at night. That's 16 hours. And then I'm left with eight hours uh, maybe two in the morning to like get ready for work and then four at night or six at night after work, which is my math, right? That sounds like a lot of time. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Anyway, um, the point is here is that it's not necessarily about time. It's more about like having a work where your life at work is healthy is 
is the most important thing to consider. So like, just because you work eight to 10 hours a day, five days a week, doesn't mean that you don't have healthy work-life balance. Because if you're thinking just about the amount of time you spend at work, then that's a fatally flawed concept. Of course, let me know what you think. I'd love to hear from you. Moving on. Workers value their own well-being in much greater numbers these days. Nearly all 93% of respondents said their well-being is equally important. And 87% who would consider leaving a job that didn't prioritize their well-being. That's a 10% jump in both of those numbers. So it's increasing where people's well-being is being more important. In fact, nearly all 96% of respondents said going forward, they're only going to consider companies that share their clear emphasis on well-being. And no, that doesn't just mean a free subscription to Calm app or quiet space in the office. It means sincere structural design that puts the employee before the work output. I would love to hear what you think about that statement. Put the employee before the work output. That's really interesting. You know, Richard Branson at Virgin Airlines says that uh, you put your employees first and they'll take care of your customers. And it's an old school vibe to say that in customers first before the employee, just so you know. But that's a hot debate. Maybe we should uh, have like a open discussion about that. In today's day and age, prioritizing well-being and mental health is no longer optional. It's a critical investment. Companies that will be most successful in 2024 will be the ones that recognize the profound impact of wellness initiatives on employee satisfaction and productivity. And I will continue to say that if there is a recession... And we see the economy break and all of a sudden it's hard to get a job. If you're an employer who decides, well, now I don't have to give a rat's butt about my employees well-being because they're desperate to make money, which is probably going to happen. Like I'd be surprised if that doesn't happen where the dynamic completely shifts and where employees who are searching for wellness and well-being are like just desperate to make money. And then we go back to this other state I don't think we'll ever go back, by the way, but I do think that if you're a business owner and you are only you're only making changes because it's hard to hire people and the situation changes and you got people lining up the door to take the job, if you turn around and change it, that it's going to be detrimental because remember, the downturn in the economy doesn't necessarily need to last a long time. And then you're going to be bruised from when people leave you later. Okay, so please share your thoughts by using the link below. It'll take you to our Instagram version of the story so you can comment. Okay, last but not least, um, this is the last article here. It's about it's uh, from Money Wise on Yahoo Finance by Sarah, Sarah Louise. Almost 75% of millennials and 67% of Gen Z say money can buy happiness. What are the younger generations thinking? <laughs> I think that's funny. Um, so while the title tells you that more than 50% of people think money can buy happiness, this article goes on to explain that with Gen Z, the amount of people has dropped who think that way. So how are they thinking about money differently? And why wouldn't they think money can buy happiness? No, I'm just kidding. Okay, no, I'm just joking. Okay, so let me read a couple paragraphs for you here uh, to help you understand what's exactly happening. Now, an increased income doesn't necessarily mean you've fixed all your problems. More money we come across, the more problems we see, Biggie. Yeah. For example, 58% of Gen Z and 55% of millennials say that happiness means having a good work-life balance. So even if you've secured a job with a great salary that brings you more financial stability, it's also important you have time to relax. So it's going back to time. 
That's interesting. I do think time is an important part of work-life balance, but I do think that people need to put more onus on uh, on healthy life at work. That's all I'm saying. I mean, I know we're saying all the same thing. It's just like nuance and semantics, but you know, like we're all heavily influenced by what we see and read online. And I think it'd be nice if people added caveats to things. Over six in 10 respondents in the survey say it's crucial to get good money advice in order to have financial happiness, whether you're preparing for retirement or trying to pay off your debts. So retirement planning, that's a whole other conversation. Uh, I think it's really important. And um, I think that's the important thing here to take back away, take away from all this is uh, give people our choice and uh, and prioritize health and well-being and don't put money first. Let me know what you think. I'd love to hear from you. It's easy for me to say that. It's harder for you to accept it. I know, but I want to hear you say it. So leave, click on the link below or leave a comment on YouTube. Thank you for watching. I hope you got something from of value from this. If you did, please give us a rating and follow or subscribe. Also, please follow the links to our social media and follow, like, and comment. It helps support us and it doesn't cost you anything. And until next week, have a wonderful weekend and a bumping Saturday. All right.